we don't, but we know who's there already. And it's amazing because he already knows all, all about tomorrow, so no surprises. And uh, speaking of surprises, um, the job we found out this morning he's going to preach tonight. <laughs> and then he found out tonight that he's going to sing again. <laughs> Amen. It's a good thing you smile a lot. Because he probably walks out of here and cusses me. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm so thrilled that, uh, that you're here and I'm yeah. excited to hear about him. Uh, Brother Patrick, come on up here and, and get ready. Uh, Brother uh, Robert, if you would get... Um, the plates we're going to take up a little offering and while he plays and sings for us this is going to be like you know at the at the airport you know how they sing and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna just kind of drop some money in there and and uh and do that what are you singing for us tonight trust and obey, trust and obey. there's no other way amen that would be fantastic come on up here Sheds on our way. What we do is God's will. He abides with us still, and with all who we trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies. But his smile quickly drives it away. Not a dove or a fear, not a sign, not a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love. Until all on the altar we lay For the favor he shows And the joy he bestows Are for all who we trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Well, what a joy again to be with you uh, this Sunday. <laughs> it's quite funny. I was, I was telling Brother Jeff when, uh, when I was planning to come here, obviously he knew about it. 
I said, man, if I, if I tell a preacher long enough, maybe he'll ask me to preach. So I don't want that, okay? I just want to sleep in, sit down, and listen to preaching. So I said, I'm going to tell him on Sunday morning. <laughs> but it didn't work out so good. <laughs> so anyway, we, we're delighted to be here. Some of you have noticed I have a red, uh, you know, a red side of my eye. It turned red, and you may be wondering what happened. Uh, my wife asked me to do something the other day, and uh, I said yes, but I didn't say yes, man. And, uh, you know, before I knew it, you know, boom. And so, so we decided that we're going to cancel our meeting and do it to the, to the couple retreat with you. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm really, really glad to be here, and I want to give just you know, short updates of what the Lord has been doing. Uh, I think we left here, it was mid-December, something around that. It's been about a month. And uh, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for your financial support. I know you're praying for us, but I thank you also for supporting us financially uh, in the work that God has called us to do in Germany. And uh, since the last time we were here, we had, uh, we have a couple of churches that, you know, took us on for support. So that's a blessing. And uh, also, you know, we've seen God do uh, many, many things, you know, to, in directing our lives and directing our ways. And I just want to share two quick testimonies with you. Um, the, first, the first one is a little bit older, but I didn't have the opportunity to share that with you, and I hope it would be an encouragement, but it was, certainly was an encouragement to us. And as you know, with James, uh, as we travel, you know, we don't call to schedule meetings, and uh, we, we pray and ask the Lord to open doors so that we might be able to share our burden. And uh, I was in a meeting in, um, we were in a meeting in, um, Louisiana, and um, uh, we, we were at a conference, and there were many missionaries there, and uh, right in the middle of the conference, about a five-day conference, uh, uh, one of the, the guest speaker actually was Brother Beckham that was here. Now, I've never met Brother Beckham before. I didn't know him. I'd never heard about him. I, I was just, you know, going to the conference, and, um, and he came in the middle of the meeting. Uh, he did not know uh, that we were related to this church at all. And, um, and he came during the middle of the meeting, and he asked, he said, uh, do you guys have, um, do, are you guys going to California? I said, well, I don't know anybody in California. <laughs> I have no plans to go to California. And he said, well, I have a friend in California. He would love, I'm sure he would love to meet you. And so he gave us his number. We called him, and uh, he had already spoken with Brother Beckham, and uh, he was so excited. And he said, you know, when, when can you guys come over? I said, well, uh, oh, when are you coming over? And I told him, we, we don't have a meeting in California. We, you know, if he wants us to come, we'll come, uh, you know, to share our burden with the church. And uh, finally, you know, he said, uh, how much time do you have? And I looked at my calendar. I had six weeks. He said, well, brother, let me do this. Uh, we're going to schedule meetings for six weeks in California. And uh, he said, you don't have to do anything. You just pray. You just pray. And I'm going to call churches. <laughs> I'm going to schedule meetings. And, uh, and, and, and I spoke with him a week ago, and he's booked the whole thing. And, uh, and, you know, he scheduled, you know, profit chambers, you know, places to stay. Obviously, you know, it's an expensive place. I mean, he worked really hard. And, uh, and I was just amazed, um, you know, what God is able to do, you know, in answer to prayer. And, uh, and, and I hope that's an encouragement to you. A second, second testimony we have is more recent. And um, the, the church we're going to work with in Germany, Brother Falkenberg, he's a pastor. He's a German pastor that was trained by American missionaries in Germany. It used to be a military church. But now it's a German church. And uh, a couple of months ago, I just thought about it. Man, uh, it would be good to contact those pastors that started church. 
because they might be interested in our ministry because we're going to work with that church. And so I spoke with Rafaki and I said, uh, I, I heard that the pastors who started the church, they are in these states, they are pastors here. I'd love to get in touch with them. And he says, oh, of course, I'll, you know, I'll get the contacts and get back with you. Now, I don't know what happened, but he, may, he probably forgot about it. <laughs> and, uh, and I was inclined to remember, remind him, and I felt like the Lord was telling me, you don't need to push your way through. You need to wait. And so, and I just dropped the whole thing. You know, I say I won't remind him at all. If, if the Lord wants to remind him, he will. Uh, he never called me back. and never gave me the contact with those pastors. And a couple of weeks ago, a pastor invited me to a fellowship meeting in South Georgia. And so we're getting through the doors. Uh, uh, I'm getting first. My wife is going to the restroom. And I see a couple of pastors in the foyer. And I shake hands. I say, hi, hi. Now, the first pastor that speaks with me and asks, you know, what I'm doing um, he, he, he said, you know, are you a pastor? And I said, well, I'm a missionary. We are on our way to Germany. And she said, where are you going to Germany? Where? I said, Frankfurt. He said, oh, that's exciting. He said, are you going to work with somebody in Germany? <laughs> I said, yes, we're going to start our work with a pastor, a German pastor that is in the outskirts of Frankfurt. He said, uh, where is he? What is that pastor? And I'm thinking in my mind, why does this American pastor <laughs> ask all these detailed questions about Germany? And, uh, and I told him, you know, it was Brother Falkenberg. He said, I baptized Brother Falkenberg. <laughs> and I thought he was kidding. And uh, I said, is that real? He said, yeah, he said, I baptized. He said, I trained him. I baptized him in the church, trained him, and I was the pastor and turned the church over to him, you know, in Germany. And, uh, and he was so excited. So he just invited us. To, we were just in South Carolina uh, in his church. And then he called the, 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 the pastor who actually started the church. He was a second pastor. He called him on the phone while we were together. And he says, man, you got to have a project. He's in Florida. And obviously he's excited because, you know, this is a church he started. But we were, just, uh, you know, we were just amazed at how God works and, and, and connects and works through our lives. And so, and so that pastor says he wants us to come to Florida. And, um, and he said, if you guys want to stay in the church because the church has an apartment, but it's, it's, it has not been used for 10 years or maybe 12. So it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, you couldn't live there. But the church has an apartment. And, um, and he said, man, you know, if you're going to Germany, we're going to raise money to renovate that apartment so that you guys can stay there until you find a place. And, uh, and so it's just, you know, it's just exciting to, to see, you know, to pray and wait as a preacher preached on patience this morning and just, just to watch God work. And, uh, and so I just wanted to share that with you by way of encouragement. We're still planning to leave uh, in about a year from now. And so uh, please pray for us. Pray that God will continue to direct us. So from here, we're going to go to Arkansas. We have a, a mission conference in Arkansas, uh, Jacksonville. And uh, a week from now, uh, I'm going to fly out to the Philippines with my pastor. Our church has a trip. Like this church has a trip to Ghana every year. Our church has a trip to the Philippines every year. And the pastor asked me to come. And so I'm going to be to the Philippines for two weeks in February. And then when we come back, we spend a month in Arkansas uh, and then a month in Florida. And then we go to California in May. And so if you can please pray for us, uh, that God will give us safety. And uh, also that he will bless the trip in the Philippines. We, we will preach in schools there. I will go. My wife will stay home. But uh, we'll preach in schools and pray that God will give us a good harvest of souls. All right. Amen. Well. If you have your Bible tonight, uh, turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 6. Now, when preacher asked me to preach this morning 
um, you know, my, my mind was racing, and, and I was thinking, you know, what should I preach? And, you know, before I left the service, I felt like this was what God wanted me to, to share tonight. Now, it's, you know, it's more, it's more a little bit like a Wednesday night a type of study. And uh, the Lord said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so this is one of those truths that has set me free in my life. And so what I want to do tonight is just, you know, share the truth with you. And uh, it, it was so powerful in my life, uh, helping me to understand, you know, how to approach God in some respects. And, and I just hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Now, before I read the scripture, um, well, when I first came he here tonight, I thought, man, people are scared of me. They all went away, you know. And, uh, uh, but I'm glad you're here tonight. <laughs> Amen. And I, and I trust it will be a blessing, a blessing to you. Um, now, you may have heard about the Calvinist teaching, Calvinism. Now, it's, it's a false doctrine, but the Calvinists teach that uh, somehow God must have elected from eternity past those who will be saved and those who will be lost. Now, you don't have to know much Bible to know that it's, it's false. You know, the scripture says, you know, God so, God so loved the world that he gave his only because he loved the world. That he's not willing that any should perish. Now, the scripture says that Jesus died for every man. And so... And so it's very plain from the scripture that it's a false teaching. But the Calvinists believe, or at least teach, that somehow God has chosen before you were born. He chose you for salvation. And he decided not to choose others for, for hell. And, and I know this is a good church. And, and, and in most of Church of Astros, people will reject that because we know it's false. And those who read the scripture, it's just so, just so plain that it's false. But I'm afraid that sometimes, and certainly a certain part of my Christian life, I was that way, that sometimes... In other doctrines, in other respects, not as, as far as salvation is concerned, but in, in other dealings of God with us, I'm afraid that sometimes we are Calvinist in practice. And I'll explain that tonight. That means that somehow we think that God does things randomly. Right? And I hear, you know, I used to say that before, so I understand. And I hear people say like, uh, well, it's the will of God, it's going to happen, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and, and a certain mindset that sometime, somehow the Christian life is random. You know, if God wants to do it, he will do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he won't do it. Now, it's true that God is sovereign. But the Bible clearly teaches, if anything else, that he says, I'm the Lord, I change not. Amen. Right? He says, I change not. What that means is that God doesn't change his ways. <laughs> he doesn't change his ways. Now, what that means, as far as I'm concerned, is that there is a proper way to approach God in, in any respects, as far as salvation is concerned, as far as, you know, having peace, joy, being used of God in all respects. And uh, in a short time I've been a Christian, you know, I don't feel like I've been a Christian a long time. It's been more than, you know, almost 20 years. But if I've seen anything just watching men uh, that God has used, is that I've watched that there is a cause for every effect. God is not random. He doesn't change. And, and so, when we behave as if uh, we, we can just do anything we want, and it won't matter. If God wants to so do something, he'll do it. When we behave that way, that means we are Calvinists 
in practice. Because we, we believe somehow that no matter what I think, no matter what I feel, no matter what I do, God will do what he wants to do in my life anyway. But that's not true. That's not true. And so, I believe, and, and it's so obvious, and one of the reasons why God gave us the scriptures is that we might know him. Right? When I, when I look at creation, I look at the stars in heaven, you know, I look at the creation of God, I know there is a God. I know there is a creator. But I don't know him. I don't know how he is. I don't know what he likes. <laughs> I don't know how to approach him. And so God gave us the scriptures so that we might know him. So I know who he is so that we might know how to deal with him. It's like any person. You know, when I met my wife uh, before we get married, um, you know, and, and throughout all, you know, still all to this, I haven't figured her out yet. You know, I'm still working on it. But, but, but still, it's like any person. You know, I got to learn. I had to learn. I still have to learn her, you know, learn to know her. And so that's the same with the Lord. So let's turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And if you can, if you're physically able, please stand for the reading of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man, that the wickedness of man was greater in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made men on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the earth. For it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, the message tonight is about grace. Uh, grace, the grace of God. And the scriptures tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'll read for you, you don't have to turn in, but in Galatians chapter 2, verse 6, the scripture says, uh, says but of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, writes the apostle Paul, for God accepted no man's person. Now, what the Apostle Paul is writing here, what the Scripture is saying, is that God doesn't make a difference. He doesn't look at Brother Jeff, you know, in a special way and say, well, he's special. He made us all. He's our creator. And if you, you trust in Christ as a Savior, you're a child of God. So he doesn't differ, differentiate between people. He treats everybody the same. But if that's the case, why was Noah alone saved in the ark? If God loved them all, why only Noah and his family? Now, the scripture gives us the answer is that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But he did not find grace because he was chosen before the foundation of the world. There's a reason why he found grace. And so that's my message tonight. How, can we, how do we find grace in the eyes of the Lord? And another title that I thought about tonight is getting what you need but cannot reach. Getting what you need. How to get what you need but, but you cannot reach. And that's the grace of God. Uh, so let's pray. Father, thank you for the service tonight. And I just thank you that we're in church tonight. And Lord, we know it's a Super Bowl and many people, um, maybe not necessarily here, but we know all across this country, you know, many people will be out of church um, uh, because they want to watch the game. But I thank you for those that are here. And, and I just pray that, that you will give them a special blessing for being here tonight. I pray that you will, you will empty me of, of self and you will fill me with your spirit, I pray that you speak through me and that somehow you will apply the truth to every heart. Give us the truth that will set us free. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The scripture says, Noah found grace in the eyes of 
the Lord. Now, what is the definition of grace? Well, when I think about grace, I think about an infant, you know, a child that is born and carried by his mother. And the child doesn't do anything. You know, the infant doesn't do anything. The mom feeds the child, uh, takes, takes care of the child, does everything for him. And, but that's grace. That's grace because the child doesn't deserve it. It doesn't work for it. But it receives grace from the mother. The, the definition of grace, free, grace is the free unmerited love and favor of God. So the, having the grace of God means that God has favor on you. That for some reason, God does special things for you. That's the grace of God. It's to have unmerited love and favor of God. Uh, the grace is the divine influence in renewing the heart and restraining from sin. Now, the scriptures, uh, well, we, we, we learn from the scriptures and certainly from the definition that grace is unmerited, which means uh, I cannot earn grace. You cannot earn grace. We cannot earn it. Uh, it it's free. It's unmerited. Now, uh, there is a great misunderstanding of grace sometimes. Uh, even among believers. Now, an example of misunderstanding grace is from, uh, from the example of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 13, uh, Jacob is fleeing from, uh, fled from his brother because he stole the blessing from his father. And now, after, after, now he, he went away for many years. He got a wife, children. Now he's coming back to the land of Canaan. And he's coming back to the place where he grew up, where his father raised him. And now he, heard, he hears that, that his brother Esau, who he cheated while he was younger, is coming against him with 400 men. And Jacob is scared because he realizes his brother is still vengeance, vengeanceful. He, his brother is out to kill him, to destroy him. Now, he does something very interesting here in Genesis chapter 32, verse 13. The Bible says, and he, Jacob, lodged there that same night, and he took up that which came to his hand, a present for Esau, his brother. Two hundred she goes, twenty he goes, two hundred ewes, uh, twenty rams, thirty milk camel with a coals, forty kinds, ten bulls, twenty she asses, and ten foals. And Jacob delivered them into the hands of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. So here's what Jacob is doing. He, he gets these goats, camels, and those expensive gifts, and he gives some of them to one of his servants. He says, okay, go before us and meet Esau. If Esau asks you and say, man, what are these gifts for? He says, well, this is for you. This is from your brother Jacob. And then he sends another, another unit behind him. And so he, he lines up his people with expensive gifts to get favor from his brother. Now, in Genesis chapter 33, verse 8, Jacob meets Esau. And Esau asked him, what meanest thou by all these drove which I met? And he said, Jacob, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. So Jacob, now what is grace? Grace is free, unmerited. I don't deserve it. But now Jacob tries to purchase grace. <laughs> he tries to buy the forgiveness from his brother. So he's confused about grace. You know, if he simply needed grace from his brother, he could just have gone and, and kneel or do whatever and say, and say, brother, I'm sorry. Forgive me. But he's trying to purchase the favor of his brother. He's trying to purchase grace, which is not grace anymore. And, uh, and, and, and so he misunderstands what grace means. 
Now, in the scriptures, we see in the scriptures that some men were full of favor before God. Now, as a Christian, when I read the scriptures and, and, and reading all, you know, about the men of God, Jacob, um, Esau, uh, Jacob uh, Abraham, uh, Moses, I see that there were, there were many men that were full of grace. You know, for some reason, God, in a special way, you know, manifested himself in their lives. And such men were, for example, the apostle. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, Acts chapter 4, verse 33, the scripture says, and with great power, the apostle witness, gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. With great power, gave the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So the scripture tells us that when, they, when the people look at the apostle, they could see that there was a lot of grace of God upon their lives. They had great grace. And so some men have more grace than others. Some men have more favor from God than others, though God loves us all the same. Now the word grace sometimes is used in the scripture interchangeably with gift because the gift is undeserved. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, you know this verse very well. The scripture says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. The scripture says, by grace we are saved, and because we are saved by grace, it means that salvation is a gift. I cannot work for it. I cannot become good enough to be saved. Um, salvation is a gift from God. Sometimes when, when we go soul winning, I will use that example uh, just to show people that salvation is a gift. And I will say, you know, if you had a friend, and a friend would come on your birthday and give you a phone, and say, hey, this phone is for you, uh, but I'd like you to clean my house once a week. And I say, well, would that be a gift? I said, no, it won't be a gift. And then I ask the question, well, what if that person say, well, the only thing I require from you is, is to clean my house once a month? I said, no, that would, that would still not be a gift. What about if the person says, well, I only require from you that you clean my house once a year? Would that be a gift? And obviously, it's not a gift. Because if there's any expectation... It ceases to be a gift and becomes a reward. And um, the scripture says we are saved by grace. <laughs> if, if you have any part in trying to save yourself, then you're trying to be saved by works. And, um, and you cannot be saved by works. A God would not accept our works. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift. Of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. This is a person for writing about his ministry. He says, my ministry I received according to the gift of the grace of God. So the grace of God is a gift. The grace of God is a gift. You cannot earn it. The favor of God is a gift. And, uh, you know, as a young Christian, I thought, well, maybe if I read a lot of my Bible, and it's good to read the Bible. But I was reading the Bible with a false mouth to feel that somehow, maybe if I read three chapters in a day, I've earned <laughs> a certain favor from God. But that's not true. You know, whatever God does, whatever grace he bestows, it's a gift from God. You know, we, we, I cannot earn it the same way I couldn't earn salvation. I cannot earn uh, the grace of God. And so uh, the, the grace of God is a gift. And the scripture uses those words interchangeably. Now, I like to 
Look at some scriptures that shows the contrast between grace and work. How grace differs from work. In Romans chapter 5 verse 15, Romans chapter 5 verse 15, turn there if you would. Romans chapter 5 verse 15. But not as the offense, Romans chapter 5 verse 15, but not as the, as the offense also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. The gift of God, the gift of eternal life is by the grace of God. It, it's, it's, God uses those words, you know, interchangeably. Now, in Romans chapter 4, verse 4, just the, the, the chapter before, Romans chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible tells us now, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. Now, God says that if you work to get his grace, you've just destroyed the grace altogether. If God will bestow his grace upon you because of what you do, because of your works, then God says it's not grace anymore. Now it's a debt. Now you just earned it. It ceases to be a grace. That means I cannot obtain the grace of God by working. I cannot obtain the favor of God on my life by efforts. I can never deserve it. It's a free gift. It's a gift from God. But why is it that some men have more grace than others if it's a free gift? Romans chapter 11, verse 6. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. (laughs) Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And if it be of works, then is it no more? It is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You know, it's, it's like the poison for the rats. You know, the poison is made of 99% good food, 1% poison. But when you put that 1% poison and put in the good food, the whole food becomes a poison. That's right. Same thing with, with grace and works. If you have 99% grace and you just put 1% works, you just destroy the grace altogether. And so, and so we need to understand that if God is going to show me favor, it's just by his grace. I cannot earn it. And you cannot earn it, but we all need the grace of God. We need his favor upon our lives. Now, why is it then, and this thing bothered me, why is it then if God bestows grace freely, if it's undeserved, if it is a gift of God, why is it that some men, like the apostle, why did they have great grace? Why is it even today? You look at any church, you look among Christians, we don't all have the same favor of God on our lives. Though we all desire it, why is it so if it's free? Now, the best picture I could imagine in my mind is the picture of a faucet, you know, a water faucet in your life, in, in, your, in your house. You know, we, we, have a, we have a faucet in the kitchen. Now, I cannot, I cannot, make, I cannot produce water, even if I wanted to. <laughs> I don't have that kind of power. But I can tell you something I can do. I can turn a faucet on. I can do that. Now, when I turn the faucet on, the water flows. Now, I did not produce the water, but I can turn the faucet on. And so, the grace of God that we have access to is like the water supply to the house. Right? Because, because we are born again, the Bible says we have access into this grace wherein we stand. Right? We have access to the grace of God. But it's like the water force. It's, it's like you, you just got connected to the power grid. And you have power. Now, let's say I'm, I'm at home and you come to the house and you say, hey, 
Uh, but the pastor, why is it dark here? I said, man, I don't know. And you check the house. I mean, everything is connected. And in fact, I had that case. I work, I work at a com- with my company. I work on the equipment or machine. And I mean, I tried everything. The machine went wrong. I tried everything. It went wrong. I'm thinking, this is crazy. That's not possible. And it doesn't work. And then I realized the switch was off. <laughs> you know, I was checking everything with a dead machine. And, 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 and that's the same with our lives. Some, you know, and for most of us, the problem is not that we are not hooked to the power. It's that the switch is off. You know, the switch that turns the grace of God so that we can have access to it and use it in our lives. It's just off. It's not that God hasn't provided that grace. And so what makes the difference with people who have a lot of favor with God and those who receive less is just some people just turn that switch on <laughs> and others don't. It's not that we have a different access to God. We all have the same access to God. And so to me, that's the best example of the grace of God. It's that the grace of God is just like a hookup. When you get saved, God connects you to, to his grace in heaven, and you have access to all his riches. But that doesn't mean you enjoy it, because you have to turn the switch on. Uh, you have to turn the switch on. And that's not work, because he provided the grace freely. But, but it's my responsibility and yours to turn that switch on. Now, the scripture says, and I quoted this verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 2, By whom the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And so the scripture teaches us, how do, we, how do I access the grace of God? And God says, it is by faith. Faith is the switch that turns on the grace of God in my life. Now, remember, remember how you got saved, right? Remember how you got saved. The grace of God was there before you go away born. <laughs> but you were lost on your way to hell. Until, until you turn that switch of faith. Right? Now, God was already looking for you. God already wanted to save you. But you were lost until you put your faith in Christ. And, um, and, it, and, and everything else we get from God is the same way. Like salvation, same way. It's exercising faith in God. Believing God. Believing God. So, so, so faith is like that faucet that, you, that we need to turn on to get the water of grace into our lives. Now, I'm going to close very soon, but, but i like to zoom in on this. So then, in order for me to receive the grace of God, I need to understand what faith is. Because faith is the key. I need to understand what it means to have faith in God. Because it's when I exercise faith in God that the grace of God flows into my life. Now, faith is not a position. Uh, faith is not a mental state. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. And from the time I was a little boy, I heard the gospel. I heard that Jesus was born in a manger. I heard that, that he lived a sinless life. I heard that he died for my sins. And I knew the gospel story in my head. I mean, I knew all of it. I believed it was true. But I was lost. I was still lost. Because faith, faith is not knowing the truth. And I think sometimes as like Christians, we, we confuse. And because we come in a good church like this, we hear the word of God, we know a lot of verses, we kind of assume we have faith. Um, the Bible says faith cometh by the hear of the word of God. But faith is not knowing the word of God. It's more than that. Faith is acting upon the word of God. 
You see, the Bible says, the Bible says, by faith Noah built the ark. You see, he, what proves that Noah believed God is that he actually went, though it had never rained, he built an ark. It's, it's a, faith is movement. It moves you. It's, it's just knowing. It's not knowing. It's acting upon what you know. So faith moves. Faith moves. I, I, you know, I read that story you know, in the, I guess, more than 100 years ago. There was a tightrope walker. You know, you, anybody knows what a tightrope walker is? So he has those tie ropes, and he, was, he, would, he would go in, in strange places, and they would have those tie ropes, and he would walk on the, and, and just, you know, have him always challenges, go to different places of the world, the world. And I believe he was from France. But anyway, his name was Blondie. And so Blondie went above the, uh, the Niagara Falls, and, they, you know, they threw that tie rope there. And Blondie stays there on, on those tie ropes, and, and he says, hey, who can believe I can cross these tyros? People say, everybody says, Blondie, Blondie. You know, they clap in their hands. And there goes Blondie. You know, he, he goes on a tyrope. He's walking, and people are just amazed. I mean, he just walks across the waters and gets to the other side, and everybody's excited. He says, hey, who can believe I can put a chair on my shoulder and walk across that rope? People are like, hmm, well, you can do it, Blondie. You can do it, because they knew what he was able to do. And so he gets that chair, and he walks on that tyrope, and everybody's amazed at Blondie. And Blondie says, hey, who can believe I can carry a man on my shoulder and walk across the title? Everybody says, Blondie, Blondie, you can't, Blondie. And then Blondie asks a question. He says, who will be that man? And everything becomes like, it's like a cemetery. <laughs> Nobody spoke. Nobody screamed. Now, you see what it is? See, they thought they, thought they had faith in him, but they did not, right? How do we know that? Because they were not willing to entrust their lives into his hands. And so, but same thing with us. You know, I can have all the knowledge of God, the Bible, the scriptures. But if I'm not willing in my daily life to, to let the word of God work in my life, I, I don't have faith in God. I do not. And, and unless I have faith in God, it's like that faucet that lets his blessing flow in my life. I cannot have his blessings. Because it's, it's faith that God is looking at. The Bible says, it's very interesting, the Bible says that if Abraham, you know, hath reasons to be just before God be, be, because of his works, that God was not looking at his work, but God was, look, was looking at his faith. You see, God, God is just, God is looking at our faith. Now, true faith will produce works. And the truth is, it's because, it's because Noah had faith in God that he built the ark, you see. But it was his faith that drove his works. And, uh, and, so, and so no one wanted to get on Blondie's shoulders. And finally, his manager <laughs> was the only one that he, he, he got on his shoulder, and Blondie was able to carry his manager across that tie rope. Well, he was the only one that actually believed in him. You know, everybody was enthusiastic, but they did not believe in him. And so... And so the question for you and me becomes, am I willing in my daily life to act upon according to the truth that I've received from God? To just trust him. And though it may not make sense, like in case of Noah, to build an ark where it has never rained, and just trust God, and just obey him, and act according to the truth. Brother Jesse, will you come here, please?
Now, I was not here, I was not here last Sunday night. Is that the last Sunday night that you gave a testimony here about the trip? Now, I was not here, but I heard a lot of good things <laughs> about the excitement of Brother Jesse. And so I, I told him that I, I was going to call him forward. I did not tell him what I was going to ask him. But, but I believe, at least what I've heard, is a good illustration of what I'm sharing tonight. Now, Brother Jesse, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, someone told me that when you gave the testimony, um, you said that you, you, you felt like, you know, maybe God is done with you or, you know, you weren't unsure if God could still use you. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Now, let me ask you this. Have you, have you ever prayed about it? Like, did you have a longing in your heart to be used of God more? Yes. 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 Okay. So there was a cry, you know, in his heart to God. You know, he, I'm, I'm not sure if you ever verbalized it. Did you ever pray specifically for that, asking God to use you? Yes. Okay, yeah, I did not know that, but yes, he did. Now, here's a question now. He was asking God to use him, okay? Now, here's the deal. Uh, did you pay your fees to go to Ghana? Did you pay the flight to airfare? Yes, sir. Okay, now how much was it? Just give you a ballpark. I don't want the exact number. I think it was 1100 Okay. Shots, stuff like that. All right. $1,100. Now, could you do a lot of things with $1,100? Okay, now, now, will you say, will you say that when you were in Ghana, you saw the favor of God at work in your life? Yes, sir. Can you say that? All right. Now, now, here's the key. Here's the key. He had a desire in his heart, right, to be used of God. And he cried out to God in his heart. So he, he wanted the favor of God in his life. Now, how did God respond? Here's how God respond. God says, as you willing, give, God says, give me $1,100. You see, you see what I'm saying? Now, now, now he's his choice. What is he going to do? Hey, it's too much money. <laughs> I could do a lot of stuff with $1,100. Oh, he says, now, let me ask you this. Did you know before you left to go to Ghana, did you know that what happened in Ghana was going to happen? Right? He had no idea. See? So for him to buy that ticket, not knowing that God will use him as he did, was an act of faith. But as soon as he did that, something happened in heaven. God turned that faucet on. God said, man, this is it. You know? And so, all the things he experienced in Ghana, he did not work for it. He did not, pro he did not produce that by his own effort, right? You just saw it happen, right? But God responded to his faith. You know, he had the design in his heart. But then he, at certain point, he had to exercise faith in God by laying those $1,100. And God saw his faith, and he gave him access to the grace of God. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And, uh, and so while you are, then you may ask, well, why did, why did God use him the way he did? Well, because he put some faith in God. <laughs> he put some faith in God. And um, that's always the way we access the grace of God. I'm, I'm going to close with this. Well, the question, and I told you my title was, Getting What You Need, But You Cannot Reach. Getting what you need, but you cannot reach. You know, when I was a young man, I wanted to be saved. But I could not reach salvation. I could not. The Bible says, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. So I, I wanted something that I couldn't reach. Like Brother Jesse wanted something, right? He wanted to be used of God, but he couldn't reach it. Now, how do we get that? Now, it's the grace of God that will give us those things in our lives. It's God's grace. And God will re respond always to faith. Always. 
So if you're lost tonight, you don't know that you're saved. That's what you need. You just need to exercise the faith of God in the truth that you know. And then watch God's grace work in your life. Gives you a new heart. Makes you a new creature in Christ. You know, if you're lonely, a uh, preacher gave the testimony of his daughter this morning. How she lost her, her husband. She was very young. And he said something. He said that he was talking with his wife and said, we're going to see, right? We're going to see. What did she say? What she believes. That's faith. And because she was, and I think he said, you know, she will still play the piano, right, Mr. Robert? Yeah, play the piano, serve God. So she kept doing the things that she knew according to the truth. And because she just kept at obeying God, then God came through, you see. And God responded to her faith. You know, there's some young people here, maybe you live, you know, among wicked people. You know, some are, have a hard family time. And you're thinking, well, is, is there any way we could ever turn out right? You know, people are cursing, people are drinking alcohol, drugs, whatever. I mean, there's no way. Well, just exercise your faith. Obey God in the things that you know. And the grace of God will take care of the rest. Yes, it, it certainly will. Um, if you're uncertain about the future, right, just obey God today. And then you will watch God take care of your future. That's the grace of God. He, he will do those things that you cannot do. If you're willing to do, to act according to the truth that you've received. You know, if you're brokenhearted, you know, instead of being grouchy all the time, why don't you always remain kind to people? You know, just, just do those things that you know how to do. And, uh, and the grace of God will take care of the rest, will give you joy in your heart. Uh, if, you're, if you're longing to be of greater use to God, right, obey God according to the truth that you know now. And, uh, and as you do that, you're exercising faith in God. And then you take care of the rest. So my question tonight is, is there anything in your life that you need, but you know you cannot reach? Even right now. Maybe it's a sin that you're trying to conquer in your life and you tried, but you just struggle with it. Maybe it's brokenheartedness. Whatever it is, the grace of God can supply every need. But you must be willing to respond to God in faith. Preacher, you come. Amen. Alex,